listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. I'm going to say in code, WTFCP3. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> game five of the NBA Finals are coming up uh, Saturday night, and the story out of Phoenix are the struggles of Chris Paul recently. Phoenix, who had a 2 nothing series lead, now finds themselves 2-2 heading back to the desert for that pivotal Game 5 coming up this weekend. When we break down the handicap for Game 5, it's driven by what happened in the first four games. But we're going to zero in on what happened in Game 4, the most recent game, and we're going to zero in on the following question. Is Chris Paul limited somehow? Did he just have a bad game? And if so, that opens up other questions. One of those questions would be, is this guy feeling the nerves? His career legacy, his ultimate legacy as a basketball player, Chris Paul's, is at stake. All the talk before the title round about the coronation of Chris Paul, he did it. And I said, did what? No one ever says, you know, Charles Barkley, one of the best players not to have a title, but you know, it's almost like he had a title because he made the finals. I've never heard that before. It's you either have a title or you don't have a title. And Chris Paul is now, if he wins two of the next three, he has one. And think of John Elway. When's the last time you heard, you know, John Elway wasn't all that. He was a good regular season quarterback. But up until his final two seasons, John Elway, the only narrative you heard about him was, oh, he's great with a bad team, but he just can't get him over the hump. If you were around a sports fan in the 90s, I can promise you it wasn't – it was – John Elway was like Dominique Wilkins, a guy that was great. He had highlight-worthy plays, but he wasn't a champion. And if Chris Paul doesn't win and his team two of the next three games, odds are very good he will retire never having been a champion. He'll be fine. His legacy will be, you know – all time, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. But this is the biggest one difference, champion or not, that there is in all sports. And this is a ring-counting culture, and I kind of like it. I think sometimes it's too simplistic, but more times than not, it gets to the heart of it. There's a lot of things we can't even measure that lead to championships. So if we didn't have the championships to measure it, it wouldn't get measured. And these are some of the more important things. We have to trust that there's some logic to who wins these titles or what's the point of any of this. 
And if you don't win one after a whole career, it has to mean something. Otherwise, why do we care so much? So it could just be nerves. Or it could be something more physical. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, I test fan perspective. Is something physically wrong with Chris Paul? I mean, he's had the issue with the wrist or whatever it is, his hand issue. We still can't get a, a clear-cut answer as to that, what that is, but that's been bothering him a little bit. Um, I, I just – look, I, I do wonder if there's some fatigue playing into it. I know that he's getting you know rest in between these games and extra rest, but you know when you turn the ball over late and you have the turnover issues that you normally do, sometimes that has a lot to do with fatigue. And, and this is just a, a conversation that's been had about Chris Paul Paul, uh, fair or not, uh, over the past several years. He gets to these moments. There are opportunities there. Why he can he continues to struggle or come up short in big-time spots, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't, I don't think that it's nerves. It could be him maybe just trying to do too much because he wants it so badly. Ooh. I mean, I, this that's, last that's, game, he tried I, to do too I much? Mean, that's the, I mean, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what the answer is. I'm just throwing out options as to, as to what it could possibly be, but I just just this continues to happen and over the past couple of games he has shown the Chris Paul that we saw glimpses of in the Clippers series he had that monster game and a monster couple games to finish it off but we've seen this before many times did you participate in model UN in high school no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like a, it's like where they have the everyone represents like a different country and they try to negotiate treaties. It's like the United. Like you were very political there. You're like it, it could be this. It could be. I, this. Have, <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. So no, I, I don't know I either. Have no idea. And, and, and that's and that's the point. I think is. Uh, if you can answer this question, you've got your answer to how to bet this because the odds are saying that these are even teams. They're given home court more than historically it deserves, and, and that's a little that throws me a little bit. But in general, what do we see? Is Milwaukee favored by about four at home, and now Phoenix is favored by about four? They're saying these are now even teams. Uh, that can only be the case if Chris Paul is healthy. There's no way you could say Chris Paul is banged up or hindered and these are even teams. They're not. Milwaukee is clearly the better team if Chris Paul plays like he did in game four. The question is why did he play like that? Let's get into the numbers. One thing that jumped out at me, and McKenzie put this in context with a little bit of research, if you look at the usage rate of Chris Paul and you look at his percentage of where he falls on that usage rate spectrum. So just simple words, if it's 50, which it is, it means his usage rate is about average. And Mackenzie, I'll give you a second crack at this redemption. How do you define usage rate? Usage rate, RJ, and a lot of people get this wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. Some people do, not a lot of people. (laughs) It's the percentage of plays that either end with you scoring, you committing a turnover, or the third piece of the puzzle, you getting an assist. So the theory is how involved are you? Because if a guy just sits in the corner, like uh, waiting for, like PJ Tucker waiting to get a shot to shoot a three, he's going to have a very low usage rate. In fact, his in this most recent game was in the 29th percentile. So that means that 71% of players are used more 
defined by McKenzie's what he just described. Now, Chris Paul had a 50. The point guard had a 50. So these, these are the usage rates of the prior game, starting with game three, so the game before the last one, 77, 70, 73, 90, 83, 92, 83, 65, 72. So as you go back, none of them are even close to 50. This guy was playing differently beyond the turnovers, Jonas said, quite accurately five turnovers that led both teams in fact no one on Milwaukee had more than one turnover no one had more than one turnover Chris Paul had five and even so he wasn't handling the ball or as involved as he typically is and that being average usage for the last classic point guard doesn't seem Normal. It's not normal, as our numbers show. Why, though? Nervousness? Physical. That's the question. Really, if it's nervousness, it probably applies again, but you never know. Home court, maybe it helps. If it's physical, that's something to bet on. If you tell me right now, Chris Paul is hurting, he's at 80%, I'm automatically betting Milwaukee for the series. I'm betting Milwaukee in game five because this line implies both teams are, are healthy be sure to catch live editions of straight out of vegas weekdays at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific now let's look at another number offensive rating an offensive rating is a number that simply says how effective is this offense so like 122, I think, is the all-time record. What was the all-time record? Uh, it was n- the number one team this year, right, McKenzie? Yeah, it was the Brooklyn Nets. They put up a 119 offensive rating. Uh, okay, so no team has ever had better than a 119, okay? Correct. When Chris Paul was on the floor, the offensive rating for Phoenix, game four, was a 73. Now, what was the worst team in the NBA this year? That would be the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had a 104. Okay. So, Oklahoma City has a 104. The best team ever, Brooklyn this year, 119. I'm going to do some simple math. That's a (laughs) 15-point adjustment right there. All right. From the worst to the uh, this year to the best of all time. We're 27 points away from 100 at a 73. So you're looking at like more than double the distance between the best of all time and the worst this year is from the worst this year to how bad Phoenix was with Chris Paul on the floor offensively. Now, when he wasn't on the floor and McKenzie and Spencer did some good work on this, went into the play-by-play, what was the offensive rating of Phoenix? 131 for the Suns without Chris Paul on the floor. So when Chris Paul wasn't on the floor, Phoenix had by like 12 points per 100 possessions better than the best offense in the history of basketball. And when not on the floor, had like 30 some points worse than the worst offense this year, Oklahoma City. It's one game, but you got a situation where, and that's what we're saying, something. It looks like physically happened to him. 
how do those numbers jump out at you, Jonas? Is, uh, does this even sway the UN's neutral party? Does it feel like something here? Uh, no, but I, I do think over the past couple of series, there's been a, a, a theme, I guess, or I don't know if it's a trend, but he does not play as well on the road. He did game six against the Clippers when he had that monster performance, but if you look at the other road games, like the home road splits for him, I think there's a big difference between his performance, and, and I don't know what to attribute that to. I, I know we all say home court advantage isn't worth as much this year, but I just wonder, is there something to him going on the road and maybe not being as comfortable playing outside of Phoenix? Now, when it comes to his efficiency, I think that is a case that could be made. But if you actually look at his usage, how much does he like to be in control? It actually seems to be higher on the road. If you look at the last game, uh, it was 77, and then the prior two that were at home were 70, 73. But then the prior, the last Clippers away game was 90, his usage. And then the prior away game there was 92, 83. So efficiency... Okay, I'll, I'll acknowledge your point, but he seems to be Chris Paul when they're on the road. He want—he's the veteran. It seems like he wants to control the ball even more. And what we, Mackenzie, you got that in an Excel, right? What you printed out for me. Why don't you sort that by home and away just for the playoffs? And uh, get us a mean, just the average usage rate at home and away. Because I'm eyeballing it. We'll see how it looks. So, got it, 15 seconds. Yeah. So maybe, uh, Jonas, again, with efficiency, I see it not so much with uh, his usage, which, again, this is a guy, and would you agree with this, Jonas, is when the stakes are highest, Chris Paul does seem to want to be in control the most. Uh, you could make the case that maybe it's too much. Maybe he doesn't give the team enough rope. But, boy, when they had the closeout game against the Clippers, and then they had game one of the finals, it was probably his best back-to-back games ever, you could say, when the stakes were highest. So as yeah. much as it feels like maybe it's pressure, it feels like he likes to handle the ball more when pressure's on. Yeah, I don't think it's a case of him being scared to take the shot or have the ball or, or scared of the moment, per se. That's why I think there might be something, too. He really wants to control everything, and sometimes in these big-time moments, there are things outside of your control, and, and maybe he's trying to do too much for his team turning the ball over, uh, you know, making uh, you know poor passes, not executing the offense at a high level, to where when you know campaign his backup comes in, it's a completely different looking team. Not that they're better, but it's just a different looking team that they've had success with with, with Paul out of the lineup. Yeah, and and uh, Cameron Payne when he had that great two game run when Paul was out, hadn't played near as well since uh, apparently he had I think an ankle yeah uh, th- that slowed him down a little bit but he uh, in the most recent game 17 minutes shot 57 percent his plus minus was even so I mean hey Chris Paul's was minus 10 worst on either or worst on Phoenix Brooke Lopez with the minus 13 so last thing on usage rate what's the home away split McKenzie Correcting your assumption here, Chris Paul on the road has a 32% usage rate. This playoffs, only 27% went at home. Okay, so, and that makes sense, I ta- or at least when I was eyeballing that, he does, and I think it fits in what Jonas is saying, he does want to control things. The more pressure, the more he wants to control them, though Game 4 would have been a grand exception to that, and thus makes me think something's wrong. Right out of- 
Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks, coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a best bet for the weekend on the UFC. All right, so the main event, Islam Mahachev and Diego Moises. Uh, they are fighting. It's a lightweight fight at the Apex Center there in Las Vegas. And uh, Islam is a minus 700 favorite. Significant favorite. He's 18-1 as a professional. He's really good. He's one of these up-and-coming fighters that's really dangerous in the weight class and people expect big things, potential world champion later in his career. Because it's such a significant favorite and Mahachev is a minus 700, I say we go either the distance or inside the distance. We've got a couple of ways to look at this. If the fight goes via five-round decision and Islam wins by the five-round de- de- decision, it's a minus 115. So you got to lay a little in order to win 100 bucks, 115 to 100. Mm-hmm. I say forget all that. I say let's take the money and the plus money and let's pick him to win inside the distance at plus 130. So now you're laying 100 to win the 130. It's a five-round fight. We've got plenty of opportunities for him to finish the fight via via a submission or potential knockout. So I'm going to take Islam Mahachev winning inside the distance, uh, not to go the distance, but to get the win at plus 130. All right, so he needs to win, but if we just picked him to win regardless of how, you'd have to lay seven to win one. Yes. Here you're saying we're betting one to win 130, and that's driven by, because it has to be before. It's not a decision. It's other than a decision. Yes. It wins inside the distance, and that way we don't have to lay as much to win uh, if we still like the favorite. Okay. So, really, what we're pretty much saying is distance or no distance is about a coin flip, though in this case, the no distance is a little bit less likely. And you're saying he's going to win. That's the easy part. But you're effectively betting it happens from submission or knockout or whatever. Yeah. And, and if the favorite is for it to go th- to the decision because he's had a lot of decisions in his career. But this is a five round fight. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. So for three coaches. rounds are is the typical UFC. Yes. And, and it's then five the minutes around. Yeah. Main events get five, get five rounds. Oh my God. But that yeah. just seems like, wow. Like back in the day, it used to be 12 rounds or 15 rounds, three minute right. rounds. But the difference between 15 minutes of fighting and 25, man, that seems like a loss. Significant. Yeah. It's a lot. All right. Best bet. Now let's set up for game five in the NBA. Yeah, and it is Game 5 of the NBA Finals coming up from Phoenix where we have a 2-2 series after the Milwaukee Bucks get to at home. And right now on pregame.com, it's the Phoenix Suns, a four-point favorite heading into Game 5. So let's look at some over-under point totals, get a flavor how this game is going to go. Giannis leads everyone 33.5 points. Now, two games ago, it was 32.5 Last game, 34-and-a-half. Now, I liked over. McKenzie was scared to bet me, so he won $0 <laughs> on that. They're splitting the difference now. I don't have any strong opinion on this. I think when Giannis was scoring, 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 there was a sense of momentum. But he took – you know, he came into that game. It didn't even seem like he – you know, he didn't take many shots in the first, you know, half of the first quarter. He didn't seem to be offensively 
focused, and he filled up the stat sheet otherwise. I got no idea if he will be or won't be here. Middleton second, 25 and a half points. And then you've got um, Holiday at 18 and a half. If you look at Phoenix, 28 and a half for Booker and 21 and a half for Paul, who may be injured, and 8 and 15 and a half points. Here's my best bet. If you bet for the series, remember, we already have a Milwaukee series bet, like plus 220 or something, whatever that is. It's a nice number. But if you look at it right now, the series price on Milwaukee's plus 130. The odds of Giannis winning the MVP, the MVP odds are plus 130. Exactly the same. So let me ask you a question. What seems more likely? Milwaukee wins the title, but Giannis does not get the MVP. I say that's about mm, 0% chance, but let's call it 1%. And then the other option is Phoenix wins the title, but Giannis wins the MVP. You might say, RJ, it was Jerry West, last guy that won the MVP for the losing team. Okay, true. But let's look at the Phoenix candidates. Chris Paul is limping to the finish line. You could see Phoenix winning a game seven by two points, and Chris Paul doesn't play very well at all, possibly. And you know what else? You look at Booker. He had one game, he was 3 of 14, and he had one game, he was 8 of 21. So when you shoot like 33% and less than 33% in two of the four games, this doesn't strike me as a great MVP candidate. So you see Giannis playing like he did the prior four games for the next two or three and lose. You're telling me there's not a better chance? So to me, let's get an extra little Milwaukee exposure. And the reason I want that is because I do believe there's a real chance Chris Paul is physically hobbled. Thus, if I want more Milwaukee exposure, I could bet more in Milwaukee to win the series, but I think we have a better bet betting Giannis at MVP plus 130. Jonas, quickly, does that rationale make sense to you? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, and if you, if I were to ask you right now who looks more healthy, Giannis or Chris Paul, I think it's Giannis. I think Giannis could go without sleep for two days and he'd look healthier. <laughs> so best bet, Giannis plus 130 to win the MVP, which is a proxy for Milwaukee to win, but also a chance if they lose that he could still win it. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.